Hello, my name is Andrew Gary, and welcome to Seismic Sound Off In-Depth Conversations in Applied Geophysics. In this episode, I speak with Michael Briannick on his new book, Understanding Amplitudes, Basic Seismic Analysis for Rock Properties. In this episode, Michael explains why Newton's ideas still matter despite Einstein, how to approach machine learning with healthy skepticism, why real data can be a hindrance to learning, and why he took the time to discover who was R. Hill. This is a conversation the scientists of all experiences will benefit from and learn. Visit seg.org slash podcast for the links to Michael's book and his episode discussing his first book, Understanding Signals. This episode is brought to you by TGS. TGS offers a wide range of energy data and insights to meet the industry where it's at and where it's headed. TGS provides scientific data and intelligence to companies active in the energy sector. In addition to a global, extensive and diverse energy data library, TGS offers specialized services such as advanced processing and analytics, alongside cloud-based data applications and solutions. Now, for our conversation. Well, I'm excited to speak with you. Uh, I was excited when, when Susan was telling me that this new book was coming out. And your new book, it's called Understanding Amplitudes, Basic Seismic Analysis for Rock Properties. Your previous book was titled Understanding Signals. Why do you think it's important to explore these important topics from this foundational level? Hmm. I have a difficult time answering this. Um, Well, I I mean, in a polite way. (laughs) So uh, let me try. So my experience, and I think the experience of a lot of other colleagues I've spoken to about this, is that people tend to take the easy way out. They learn how to use software, they learn workflows, and, you know, they have some sort of at least some sort of mental checklist of things that need to be done. And this is really the least they need to do to get some sort of product. But they don't necessarily understand what they're doing or why. And, um, you know, to be fair, uh, I've done this myself, I think, as we all have. But for really reliable results, you have to understand things and and to be able to evaluate uh, the results you get. Otherwise, you're in the dark. And um, you absolutely have no idea how reliable your work is. And I had a lot of discussions with the volume editor, John Logel, who was very encouraging and who really thought that a book like this was necessary, especially for younger professionals who didn't necessarily get a good grounding in, in, in the subject. Yeah. And, and in the book, kind of building off of this idea of keeping it simple, you say in the book that motivation came in part from creating training for a startup company you were working with. And you even say that you wanted to offer an apology if it might insult the reader for writing about these basic concepts. I'm curious, what was it in creating that training for that company where you realized, oh, I, I need to start from a more simple framework with this training? Yeah, well, <laughs> I guess it was the realization that that maybe I didn't quite understand things as well as I thought. And I definitely didn't understand it in the details that I needed to guide development of training apps. So you have to you have to explain things to 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 the developer, even some who have some geophysical uh, background. And somebody said, I don't know whether it was Einstein or Ernest Rutherford or even Richard Feynman or somebody else who said that if you can't explain it, you don't understand it. And um, 
I think there's a lot of truth to that. And and again, maybe it's just the way I think, but I don't really trust anything till I've, as much as I can, simplified things to the basics. So you know, the the initial the initial thing, as I said, was 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 working with developers, programmers, just actually similar similarly to my first book. Well, I, I appreciate you writing from this basic level. I mean, obviously, the the Four Dummies books have been an extremely successful version. People obviously have a clamoring for this type of information. What is kind of the, the Cliff Notes summary of this book? So the book is about how physical properties of rocks affect seismic waves and how we can analyze seismic data uh, in a way that reveals those properties. And it's written for students of geophysics, early professionals, and really for anyone who needs an introduction or a reminder to these subjects of, of rock physics, ABO, seismic inversion, and uh, amplitude analysis in general. And that's a that's a great summary there. I mean, the book itself it's a nice, concise book full of you know every word on on the page matters. You're not wasting any space, which is great. I, I was curious, why was it important for you to show that real people contributed to the topics discussed in your book? Oh, I think that everybody deserves to be recognized uh, for for their work, for their contribution in in seismic and seismic analysis in in geophysics in general. We we tend to throw names around just as labels, and uh, you know some of us have been lucky enough to actually know some of the some of the people whose names we use, but some of them are long gone. And so I really think it's important to have some little recognition that these people were humans just like ourselves, and we could have maybe have worked with them uh, if, if, uh, in, in some circumstances. And, you know, even to remind us that maybe we're working with people like that now whose names will be uh, remembered in the future. Was there a particular individual who you, you mentioned in the book for their contributions that you weren't very familiar with until you started writing the book? Uh, yeah, it, w- it was interesting for me about the time that I took to find out the first name of R. Hill. He, and as it, you know, it turned out he was a he. Uh, he's mentioned in our literature as the author of the Hill Average. And, uh, you know, it's a really simple enough concept, at least, at least superficially. So, you know, you have to ask yourself, why bother? Who cares what his or her first name is? Who cares if, if, if it's he or she? But it was really important for me, and finally tracking down Rodney Hill and finding out a little bit about this, you know, a, a quite influential British material scientist was was very satisfying. And um, you know, I'm also a bit disappointed about the people I didn't mention. As as fellow Canadians, I have a lot of respect for Brian Russell and Dan Hampson, and Brian in particular. Uh, I think that his shadow was over me while I was writing this, even if I didn't explicitly recognize it at the time. Why do you say that? Just because his, you know, I I, I don't know. Uh, because I knew him, I knew uh, I knew him. I still know him. Uh, <laughs> uh, I know him quite well. I had a lot of interaction with him, but but uh, he and his software and the work that he's done has, I think has done a lot to popularize the the field of amplitude analysis of ABO and inversion and and, and, and so on through through his software and through his uh, papers and presentations. Well, rewinding a, a bit, maybe before software was so popular, 
Why are older ideas about extracting rock properties still relevant in understanding the current scientific wisdom? Simply because they are relevant. Mm. So, you know, the Zopris equations are over a century old. Uh, I think uh, 1920 is, 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 the, is the date I have on, on, on the original paper. And, uh, you know, the so-called Accu-Richards formulations of, of Zopris are over half a century old. And the Shuey equation and all these other similar, you know, that were proprietary equations are almost as old and maybe even slightly older. So we still rely on them uh, to calculate things. And it's not even just for understanding, but we actually use them. And, uh, you know, it gets back to using software and just clicking the right buttons. The button clicks are still based on these older ideas. And more modern methods like uh, machine learning statistical analysis and so on are still based on all of these older concepts. So, you know, the, similarly, Newton's ideas are still important despite Einstein. Why is it more correct to call ABO analysis amplitude versus angle? Right. Well, I'm always a bit embarrassed by this question. Uh, you know, I want to say, isn't it obvious? Why does it need explaining? I don't know, but it does. And uh, I guess it's what's in a name. We call the concept ABO, amplitude versus offset, and it's and it's stuck. And it's easy to think of it that way because that's how we measure and record it. We record the seismic with offset. But, you know, we wouldn't have been interested in recording it or looking at it with offset if we didn't understand that the amplitude changes with angle of incidence. So, you know, I think we've lost the battle for the name, and I'm not even sure if there really even was much of a battle. You know, so ABO it is. Uh, but that's okay, as long as we understand why. Yeah, that could be an interesting thing to poll geophysicists to see how many how many understand that. I'm sure it's uh, an important contribution in this book. Why did you stay away from using real data to elucidate the concepts in this book? Yeah, uh, you know, maybe it's just my search for the platonic ideal. And, you know, it may, you know maybe that's my, 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 my character. I'm a perfectionist. But Really, I think that real data is messy, and it's not just because it can be noisy, but there are all sorts of other effects that we don't really understand very well. So I think that real data can be a hindrance for understanding, and my, you know, my main goal was just that, understanding. So it's really a lot more insightful to create perfect data and analyze that to see uh, how well the concept fits. And after all, if it doesn't work for perfect data, it's never going to work on the real stuff. And uh, I just want to add to that, that, you know, there are a few things that annoy me about the geophysical community. And one of those is, quote unquote, it's too theoretical. I never understood that attitude. If it's not theoretical, it doesn't mean anything. Hmm. Was there a particular chapter that you wrote in this book that really stood out to you, uh, you know, the most enjoyable to write or you got the most out of just in your own knowledge and learning? I suppose it was chapter eight, quantity of amplitude interpretation. So these were all concepts that I was, you know, quite well aware of, but I don't think I was really fully appreciative of, of, of them all. And I really enjoyed going through them and getting a new awareness of them. And, you know, I've been accused by some people of being obsessive about cross-plotting. I'm a sucker for really good cross-plotting software. And, you know, I realized earlier when I was working with uh, some software developers that that concept wasn't really intuitive of being able to plot two 
data sets against each other. So I had a lot of fun making up a silly example to, to explain it. And I think I also enjoyed parts of Chapter 9, uh, Seismic Amplitude Inversion. I've always been fascinated by the more philosophical implications of inverse theory. And, and I think that writing about flying teapots was a lot of fun. Yeah, there. This is a an easy book to read in that sense. Like you keep it keep it light and fun while while still providing the concepts that matter. Was there an insight that you gained about amplitudes through writing this book? A new understanding, maybe that you had. Hmm, I'm not sure about any one insight, uh, but there were lots of little detailed insights that I didn't quite appreciate before. Uh, I did know that simple synthetic seismograms were limited in terms of their way of, of explaining uh, amplitude behavior of seismic, but I, I'm sure, not sure I really appreciated the full extent of it. And I knew that seismic uh, deconvolution was a difficult process, but I really didn't appreciate the extent of that either. John Logel, the, the volume editor, made some really valuable insights into interpretation that I hadn't really considered before. And uh, one of my old bosses from Shell, Ed Biegert, who was the managing editor of the book, asked, you know, why do seismic velocities increase with depth, as does density, when increased density should decrease the velocities? Now, I still don't have a great answer for this. I just sort of, you know, stuffed it over and said that, that that's rock physics. But, you know, I know the question exists now. And, you know, one other well, I guess there was really one major insight, and that gets back to the question of uh, interpretation. I think that, I, that, that writing the book made me realize quite explicitly that there's a huge difference between seismic analysis and interpretation. So analysis is a geophysical problem, but the interpretation of it, you know, figuring out what, what it means is a geological problem. And I think being more technically oriented, this is something that I don't necessarily uh, always properly recognize. So that, that was that was a good thing. Do you see a way that these two books, Understanding Signals and Understanding Amplitudes, that they interact and complement each other? I guess they're, they're both about basics. Uh, it's the skeleton of their fields on which the reader can, I don't know, start hanging muscle and sinew, I guess. Understanding Signals the concepts that underlie it in turn underlie amplitude analysis. You know, we're talking about signals in both in both cases and how to analyze them. So I think one is based on the other, if if only if only conceptually. The the philosophy is the same, I think. What is one idea or question you you hope the reader takes some time to consider after reading this book? One idea. Boy, there's so many. Um <laughs> Maybe it's the inversion section again. There are a lot of misconceptions about seismic inversion and about, and about what you can force it to do. You know, the philosophical concepts about the reliability of any one inversion, I think, is pretty important. And I do wish I had the time to look at st statistical methods. You know, I didn't, but I hope that I gave a hint or, or, or two as to how important statistics can be and uh, maybe how you know, more modern things like machine learning can be problematic. And, you know, again, how you have to understand what's going on. And maybe when I think about it, uh, much of what I was trying to present is healthy skepticism, you know, what things are and their limitations in real life, despite not having real data. 
Well, when you, when you have to put put your thoughts and, and your knowledge in, into a book, I'm sure you have a lot of questions and a lot of thinking and reflecting to do. You know, my last question here, is there one piece of advice you would offer someone looking to succeed in, in your field? I think it's um, understand the basics. Uh, I remember when I, when I started working in this field, I spent a lot of time looking at the, um, at the literature in the field. The, the original papers. And that, that, that I think is important. Again, you know, putting names to things, using labels is, is, is one thing, but to understand how those labels came about, you know, who did them and, and, and what they actually mean. And, you know, even how simple concepts uh, are taken from, from a paper that's, say, a lot more complicated. You know, the writer was trying to say something else, but this one little thing that he he or she added is 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 um, turns out to have been a lot more popular. It's I, I I'm just a great believer in in, in understanding things and and, and and seeing where everything came from and 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 the basics. Well, you're living that out in, in these two books that you wrote and and in the work that you're doing. So I appreciate coming back on the second time to talk about this new book and excited to I'm sure to get this in the hands of, of many more readers and. Maybe, though, I'm sure that they're going to learn something by reading this book. Well, thank you, Andrew. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to SEG's flagship podcast, Seismic Sound Off. SEG produces these episodes to benefit its members, the geophysics community, and inform the public on the value of the science. To show your support for the show, please share this episode with a friend, colleague, or manager that would enjoy hearing this show. Your recommendation is the single best action you can take on behalf of SEG's podcast. To receive the latest episodes first, follow Seismic Sound Off on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. The SEG podcast team is Ted Bakamjan, Kathy Gamble, and Ali McGinnis. Thank you for listening. This is Seismic Sound Off, signaling off.